Welcome to Know My Faith, and uh, we'll call this another one of the the lockdown podcasts. Uh, Shimshon? Sounds good. Yeah, we are at uh, Gate Par, which has uh, quite a history. Uh, you should look it up, particularly if you're a New Zealander. But my guest is Shimshon Chaddock. So actually, you want to, your name's around the wrong way, though. It should either be Samson Chaddock or Shimshon Zadok. Uh, there's no Samson. Samson is... Uh... A made-up King James name, Shimshon. And anybody who speaks English, who English is their mother tongue, they can say Shimshon just fine. Absolutely. Good to have you here. Um, we want to look a little bit about, uh, about your background, but mostly about your ministry in New Zealand uh, and how you got here. But, uh, so you were, you were born in Florida? I was born in New York. Born in New York. My grandparents escaped Russia. And they ended up on Ellis Island in New York, and I was born in New York. Where did the uh, Yeshua part come in? The Yeshua part. <laughs> <laughs> How did I become to, to well, believe in Yeshua? Hang on, hang on. You, you, your, dad, your dad was pretty much a mobster that ran nightclubs and, and other things. He was a businessman who was very involved with a lot of... Uh, Nefarious business. Yes. Yeah. A lot of Italians, a lot of Jews that uh, more the... Bugsy Siegel, um, oh, what was the other guy's name? Just did a movie about him and I'm drawing a blank only because I'm in front of a camera. Yeah. Um, the big gangster, he made all the money for the Italians, but. Capone? Meyer Lansky. Okay. So, but, so your, I mean, your, your, your background was not orthodox Jewish no, no, go no, to no, the no, synagogue no, no, every no, no, Shabbat. No. no, people forget that, you know, worldwide, not just in Israel, worldwide, maybe 90% of all Jews are secular. They don't believe in God for the sake of you Gentiles, by the way, if you read your Bible very well. Yes. But no, we had no religion. Money and power was uh, the God in our house. Okay. So w w when did Yeshua come in? Uh, well, you know, the more I look back in my life, I remember as a child, I actually used to talk with God. I used to go out and sit on the porch of my house and talk with him. I didn't know what God I was praying to. I just knew it was the God. Yep. I grew up around Italians all the time. So I knew who Jesus was. I was very familiar with the concept of Jesus. Um, but my faith came in, um, started when I was, how was I was 20 years old and uh, drive-by shooting and people came to shoot and kill me. And I heard this voice in my head tell me, I had already seen three flashes of lights and I heard this voice tell me the speed of light is faster than the speed of sound. That's a gunshot hit the ground. And I was able to do that before the bullets hit me. And somehow I knew that was God and that began the journey. <clears throat> and then it was, uh, I was 25 years old and one night Jesus appeared in my room. And I remember I looked at him and I said, uh, I can't believe in you. I'm a Jew, you're a Catholic. And he said, oh no, no, I'm a Jew like you, but I'm the king of the Jews. Yeah. And he disappeared, and my life has never been the same. And you made uh, Aliyah when you were Harold? 30. 30. So that's only five years later. Yeah, because it was, it was, I was 25 when I had the first experience. Yeah. I was 28 when I, I lost everything, and I got down on my knees, and I cried out, and I said, I've known you for three years, but I know you, but I don't know your way. You give me a car, a job, a place to live, and a church, and I'll give you my life. And tick, 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 tick. All of those four... And I surrendered my life to him. And the first month I was part of a congregation, I prayed and the Lord said, I'm, this is not your country. These are not your people. You need to return to the land of your fathers. And within two, two and a half years, he opened the door and I made Aliyah at that point. How did that feel? I mean, I have no idea because I mean, I'm a white New Zealander. This is, this is my land. But when I think of, uh, say, doing my mihi and people talk about, you know, they talk about their whakapapa and the marae and, and, and I'm going, well, I don't have any, really, you know, and uh, I could say, okay, so I could go back to Liverpool, which is where my dad comes from, but if I moved home, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a English version of making aliyah. How did, how did that feel for you? It was quite, quite confusing, first of all, because I had no, I didn't grow up with any connection to Israel at all. Yeah. There was no, I don't remember any talk of Israel. Talked about the wars when it happened, but that was it. And I had the typical worldview that, you know, all well, oh, the poor Palestinians, look at these Israelis beating on them. I worked, <clears throat> pardon, I worked with some Israelis in America and I didn't like them. They didn't care that I was Jewish. That wasn't enough for them. I wasn't Israeli. Yeah. And, um, all of a sudden jump to being saved and God says, this isn't the land, this isn't your home, this isn't your country, this isn't your people. 
And this is where I was raised my whole life. And when I moved, the second I got, well, took me three days to get over because my welcome was not very well, very good. I got vomited on. I got attacked by five Russian immigrants just for saying shalom in the airport. The police had to break us up. Oh, so my, my, my welcome wasn't really <laughs> like, whoa, get down and bow down and kiss the ground. It was like, where the heck did you bring me to? You're a bit like Jack Reacher, like trouble follows Jack Reacher. Everywhere, you know? everywhere. All I did was say shalom. The first time I said those words <laughs> in the land of Israel, and boom, five Russians start to fight me in the airport. Uh. Um, but the thing is, is after four or five days, I knew that I was home. Now, of course, I was like, a, uh, like I was in kindy. I didn't speak any Hebrew. Yeah. I didn't even know any bad words in Hebrew. I knew nothing. I could say the blessings of the bread and the wine and Shabbat Shalom. That's all I knew. So I had to really start from the ground up. It was really kind of weird, but I knew that I was home. And, and quickly, you know, the people, they say that your, your heart yearns for where you're born. I was born in New York. I haven't lived in New York since I'm eight years old. It's even hard for me to even say I'm from New York. Yeah. I have no connection with my birthplace whatsoever. It might as well, you might as well tell me the moon is my birthplace. So you feel more at home in Israel. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, I've lived in Toronga longer than I've lived in any one place in my whole life. I've lived in Toronga next month will be 12 years. Yep. The longest city I've ever lived in at the same time was Tel Aviv was seven and a half years. And every day that I'm here, I feel more foreign. So home for me is Israel. Your heart's yearning. Well, I mean... My, my heart's yearning. You know, Sharon and I went there four and a half years ago and we can't wait to get back. Um, and and uh, I was really annoyed when I was saying Sharon and I went there two years ago and then three years ago and now it's four and a half years ago. So you know, we, just, we'll yeah, we just want to get back. Um, how did you connect with other uh, Messianic believers, Jewish believers? Didn't. When I first went, when God said I was making Aliyah, I thought, wow, I'm finally going to go full-time ministry and yeah. I'm going to be part of a ministry. And I waited those two and a half years. And being a new believer, when God tells you something, because I'm blessed. A lot of people, their whole believing life, they don't hear God or they don't understand how God speaks to them. Yeah. Where I always heard a voice and I, and I knew right away. Um, so I was so excited about going. But what I didn't know after waiting two and a half years was the first lesson I had to learn that God may speak something to you now, but it's not for now. It's for some time in the future. Yeah. So I had to wait two and a half years impatiently doing all kinds of terrible jobs and waiting. And then when finally the moment came, the door finally opened, it was to the biggest secular kibbutz in all Israel. There were no believers. I had no connection to the body for almost four and a half years. And then? Well, uh, there were some believers on my kibbutz. It took about a year before I met with them. I actually had a homosexual roommate that I, I when you're a volunteer, you have to share a room. And he had Greek gods all over the wall. And, um, and I would witness to him without talking about Yeshua. Yeah. And one day he came back from the pool and he said, oh, I met these girls that said, they believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And I looked at him and I said, what makes you think I'm in interested in that? And he goes, oh, I think you're very interested in that. And I just played it cool. I didn't say anything for a couple of days, biting my tongue. And then yeah. finally I said, who are those girls? And he took me and introduced me. And, and they ended up taking me to, um, what's it called? Um, Christ Church in, in the old city in okay, Jerusalem. Yep, yep. Reuben and Benjamin. The old, the old Anglican church. Yeah. Used to come and do monthly Bible studies. So I did have a little connection with the body, but but things broke apart and they never came again from Jerusalem. And then the believers kind of split up on the kibbutz, you know, the just life in general. Yeah. And then um, about four and a half years in, it was 1998 actually, I made Aliyah in 93. A volunteer came from America who was from the biggest congregation, the first Messianic congregation in Philadelphia. Yep. And she had all the connections. She was actually born in Israel, but was raised in America. And she said, I'll take you to the congregation in Tel Aviv. And I was like, Tel Aviv? I, I want Jerusalem. I want the city <laughs> of the right, king. The, the real city. You know, and uh, they took me to this congregation and boom, that was yeah. it. And soon after, God had me move into Tel Aviv and become part of their congregation.
There's quite a story of how you got here to New Zealand, uh, and that involves things like the Indigenous Peoples Conferences around the world, and the fact that you were uh, hosting, I'm not sure if you were tour guiding, but you were hosting New Zealand's New Zealanders. We were part of a worship ministry. We set up in Tel Aviv where we had 40 beds set up, where we could host groups up to 40 people. Right. And we would invite people to come to minister to God's heart in Israel. In the essence, trying to forget that they were in Israel, lay down all the thoughts of being tourists, but come to minister to God's heart. And God would always lead us out on these prophetic tours, and I would end up leading those, those prophetic tours okay. while they were there. And God connected us to indigenous peoples that God had put the vision of Israel in their hearts and they came up and, and I went to Alaska and then went to Canada and Native American chiefs were part of my wedding and it just grew from there. Was it, was it Alaska that you were shoulder tapped to come to New Zealand? It was Ottawa, Kanawha. Ottawa, Kanawha. Talk about that, because that... Uh... Okay, it was the first night we flew in, uh, it was three weeks after the Twin Towers fell in New York. Right. So the only people really willing to travel at that time were Israelis because we were used to high security. <laughs> Everybody else was kind of afraid. And, yeah, everybody's into it. Uh, so we flew to Canada and um, for a weekend it was called the, the Beat of the Father's Heart. And it was going to be a reconciliation of French Canadians and Native Americans. So we went into that and we were at the deputy grand chief of all indigenous tribes of Canada. And we were at his house and they wanted to have a prayer meeting after we ate and you know after you travel you're tired and i just wanted to get through the prayer meeting and not be the guy who was snoring during the prayer meeting yeah. and there was a, a inuit woman sitting across from me and i remember during the prayer meeting i heard the lord say have her pray for you when this meeting's over and i was just like why why her god why why and he just said have her pray for you so when the meeting was over i went over to her and i asked her to pray and she didn't speak much English, but she could say, you're from Israel, you should pray for me. And I said, well, please honor what God put in my heart and then I'd be happy to pray for you. Yep. Well, she prayed for me in her tongue, in her language, and I didn't understand the word and I didn't have to. And I got hit with the power of God. So I was slammed on the floor and I'm not a big showcase. I'm not big about that. And I certainly don't want to be the guy laying on the floor in a stranger's house, yeah. really. And as I was laying there, I heard, the God, I heard the Lord say to me, I am sending you to the Maori people. And my response was, wait a minute, why'd you bring me from Israel to Canada to be with Indians, to have an Eskimo pray for me to tell me you're sending me to New Zealand to be with the Maldives? Because I have a sense of humor. And well, there was a, almost his answer. He said, kaha. And kaha in Hebrew is just because. Just because. And I remember I sat up jet lag. I sat up all night and I pondered and I pondered and I pondered. And obviously I knew I had a calling to the nations. I'm, I'm in Canada. Yeah. I've already been out a few times. And it's very biblical for the Jews to take the gospel out, um, which people forget. But the next morning we'd go to the comp. But this just felt different. Yeah. You and know what kaha means in Maori, don't you? Mm. It's like be brave. Oh, be oh yeah, that's be right. Kia yeah, kaha. Yeah. That's, kaha true. Yeah. that's true. Good point. Yeah, it's, I mean, God's double entendres. He does. No. I was saying to somebody the other day, and you know, in Romans, and this has come up online a little bit. In Romans, when Paul talks about uh, not all Israel is Israel, and he goes through and he finishes. Uh, I think it's chapter um, chapter nine, is it, or chapter chapter eight? He finishes. He says, uh, "Those their their praise is from God." You know, and of course, the, the word for praise in Hebrew is, is Judah. Judah is named for, for praise. That's one of the words. Yeah, one of the praise. words. So in, in, in some ways, God's doing that double entendre again and saying their Judahness or the Jewishness is from me. Mm. Their you know. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. That's so really anyway, good. this is the next day. So the next day we go to the conference and walk in and, you know, it's people in their indigenous out. I don't want to say gear, their outfits, their yeah. regalia. Yep. and just walking in and saying hello to people. And out of nowhere, this man came, ran over and came and gave me a great big bear hug. And it happened to be a Maori man. And the funny thing was, it's the only Maori man I ever really knew. He had come because to Israel. He'd, he'd been with you in Israel a couple yeah, he, of times. He yeah. came, no, just one time. Okay. He, at that point, one time he had come with a group and I was asked to drive this group around for four days. I didn't know him. And and it turned out to be a group of Maldives and Samoans, and we had a great time and took them wherever they wanted. And they wanted to bless people and do a huck everywhere. And they yep. kept saying, you're built like us. Come do a hucka with us. Yep. So the first time I saw a huck, I'm trying to do one. 
which didn't go well, you know, but... Uh, <laughs> Is um, there a video somewhere? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> it's probably the last time I did the haka. Oh, but, um, and he came running over to me and grabbed me and hugged me. And I was so excited to see somebody that I knew. And he said, God told me to tell you that you're coming to my people. And coming from a Maori man that I just happened to bump into in yeah. Ottawa, Canada, that carried a lot of weight. So, uh, and I've got to just, for those that in New Zealand, particularly those that, that know the, the Maori, uh, Maori Christian circles. Uh, so Shimshon, you'd known this guy in Israel, right? So you knew who he was, well, yeah, it's but you, you had no idea who he was. No. So all he knew was this guy's name was Monty. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Yeah. Monty's a Maori guy from New Zealand. Didn't even know his It happened to be Monty Ohia. Right. And I know there's a lot of people going to go, oh, my goodness, that is significant. Because, I mean, if, if you know the circles, Monty Ohia isn't a Maori Christian man. He's like the, or he was the, you know. To me, it was just Monty, you know. Yeah. The yeah. guy I knew in Canada, Israel, eventually Hawaii and Israel again. And, um, and what's really interesting is when God finally brought us here. When he, it took eight years to open the door yeah. for us to come, yeah. he planted us in Toronga in, in Monty's birthplace. And you've been doing ministry off and on for 12 years. I've been doing but, ministry on and off since... Sorry, in New Zealand. <laughs> in New, <laughs> New Zealand. In New Zealand. Since 2009. <laughs> yep. Um, hey, rewind. No. Um, so you, you've been doing it in New Zealand, but like a lot of things, um, it hasn't always been as easy as what we expect. I didn't know what to expect, but um, I was well prepared for the trials by many trials before and the trials that I went through prior. I didn't understand why I was going through them until I came to here because I if I hadn't have gone through those, if me and my wife hadn't have gone through those. I mean, it was to the point of our marriage breaking down before we almost came here. We spent the last year um, reconciling. There was no sin involved or anything. It just yeah. was wife and husband and wife stuff yeah. you know not getting along jew and gentile we were walking out the whole one new man in our house and it wasn't working well right. you know and yeah. um we spent the last year of submitting and and reconciliation and, and preparation and if we hadn't have gone through that our marriage wouldn't have survived the the trials that god has put us in here i want to flip back a little bit to one of the indigenous people's conferences hmm in Hawaii, I think it was, the, the, the ham sandwich. The World Christian Gathering of Indigenous yeah. People. So the, one of the, and this is the, again, as the dichotomy, is that the right word? But it's, it's to, to prove that you, that you, the Jewish person, are a real Christian. You need to prove that you are not Torah observant. And I want to talk about that shortly as well. But, but somebody actually handed you a sandwich, right. ham sandwich and said, you need to eat this to prove you're a Christian. Well, every culture was accepted there except for Jewish culture, which Ex is the culture of the Bible. Ex explain that. Sadly, it's church culture, indigenous people culture. A Jew is not allowed to be a Jew. If, you, if we look through the New, the New Testament, the apostles, the shlachim, the sent out ones, there was originally them who sat and decided what the Gentiles, how they needed to act. And they came up with four basic rules that can't even keep. Yeah. And those were milk. They weren't meant to be forever. They were a, a building block. Um, but that is not reciprocated to Jewish believers. We must now look Christian. We must drop everything of Jewish culture or otherwise we're under the law. So, so at this conference that is recognizing and welcoming and freeing and libertizing the indigenous cultures to be able to worship Yeshua, the Messiah, through their indigenous ways, the Jewish people were not allowed to. And I was literally held out a pork sandwich and told, prove to me that you're not under the law and eat this sandwich. That is, yeah, it's hard to imagine. I remember Dave Garrett from Scripture and Song talking about when, uh, when they went to, I think it was the, whether it was one of those conferences or whether it was specifically on music and Dave praise there, and worship. Yeah. Right? And the, uh, the Indian people turned up with guitars. And he said, why, why do you have guitars? Why don't you have sitars? Mm. And they said, well, you, are, you don't realize the sitars are used for calling up demons and, and all this oh, sort of wow. stuff. And he goes, well, redeem them. 
Mm. You know, so next time they turned up with their cultural, if you will, instrument. And what you're saying is that that all the other cultures were allowed to be, that the Maori were allowed to be Maori, the Inuit were allowed to be Inuit, the Russians were allowed to be Russians, but the Jews weren't allowed to be Jews. No. Okay. Any, any instrument of worship, whether it be, you know, a bullwhip or a shofar or a pukai or a putara, a guitar, because you go to churches today and guitars are not allowed, nothing electric, only the keyboards, only the pianos. It's whose hands the tool is in is whether it makes it a tool of God or a tool of the enemy. Yep. Put a guitar in your hand, it's it's an instrument of worship, yep. right? You put it in Ozzy Osbourne's hands, it's a little bit different, you know? <laughs> so it's whose hands the tool is in. But Jewish culture, anytime we do anything Jewish, law, 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 law. Why, why is that? Why, why don't we, the, the Gentile believers, understand that? Because part of it is um, you, have, you have Jewish believers that dress like you. You have Jewish believers that uh, wear a kippah the whole time and pressure to lead. And some eat kosher, some do not eat kosher. Some are Torah observant where it's possible. Some are not at all. So we get a little confused. You got you got Baptists, you got assemblies of God, you've got new life. You know, you guys don't agree on anything. Nobody agrees on anything. How many husbands agree with their wives and wives agree with their husbands? So we're very it's not too often people in general are in, in agreement. You know, all scripture is for good. It's for good. I think what happens with Christians today is they're they're it's like if you go fishing and you, you know, you, you hook a fish and it's deep hooked, you know, and, and Christians have deep hooked the word law. It only, the word law only comes from the King James. Look, the first guy who translated the Bible into English, they burned at the stake, right? Yeah. So they had to change all the wording because they didn't want to burn at the stake like him. Okay. What did a king do but decree laws? So therefore they interpret the word commandments and teaching as laws. The word Torah in Hebrew is teachings, the righteous teachings of God. And a good father has rules and regulations for his kid. But for some reason, the Christians are hooked onto the word law. They don't want to hear that it's teachings. They don't want to hear that these things are good for you. And they look at it as bad and it binds you. Well, if you read Psalm 119, which is basically a love it's, song. It's a love song to the law. David, David's going, I love, I love it when I'm driving along and the light turns red and I have to stop. There's just, you know, and, and, and 7th of March, tax time, you know. Yeah. Oh, man, woohoo. You know, for me, I, I try to tell people the law of my father, my heavenly father, it, it's a love song to me. It's, it protects me. It's like when you have children and you, you have a yard, if you can afford it, you put a fence around and you say, go out in the yard and play whatever you want. Yep. But the second you climb over the fence, I can't protect you. You're no longer safe. So that which the word that you use is law. It's God's protection. When we stay within that, things are really good for us. When we go outside of the law, it's where we open ourselves up to judgment and, and other things. I can worship God freely in the protection of his teachings and his commandments. It's instructions, rules, commandments, law, Small L, not big L. Look, everything in the physical word, world is a picture of the spiritual world, yeah. right? Every, your father, you have different kind of rules for your kids. Some, like they don't wash the dishes, you know, all right. You know, you get frustrated, you get mad, you, you let them get away with it. You take the car when you're not supposed to, when they're, when they're driving, eh, yeah. you know, and then they, you know, then they step into drugs or whatever, whatever it possibly could be, it goes up. There's certain things, uh-uh, uh-uh, we're not having that. Yeah. Other rules, you, they are rules, but you let them go. I said with one of my Bibles in schools classes years ago, I said, we're going to have a little game between the boys and the girls. Couldn't do that nowadays. Uh, yeah. We're going to game between the boys and the girls, and whichever t side wins, I'll take up to the corner shop and we'll get ice creams for you. They go, yay. I said, okay, go. <laughs> 
And they go, well, what's the game? So, um, did you want rules? You know? <laughs> That's good. Okay. Um, and we just talked about the rule about putting up your hand and everything like that. But, but uh, it's, it, I don't know why it is that we get, we get hung up on that and, and why we have to look at Jewish believers and, and judge you based on whether or not you adhere to Torah. Well, you and I have had this discussion before because, because of our friendship, we can disagree and we can say things because I have no doubt that you care for me. And I hope you have no doubts that I care for Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Because, you know, we talk all the time. And, and there was one point I, I even came back to you and I said, wait a minute, who are you? Because we were talking about a mutual friend of ours yep. and you were concerned that he was bound by the law. And I said, well, he's not, you know, and you had to see for yourself, which is fair. But, um, but then I had to think about some of the things you were saying and they weren't wrong. And then I'm like, wait a minute. Who are you as a Gentile decide that it, he's expressing his Jewishness too much for your liking? Yeah. Look, I, I was, yeah, that at, was that was an eye opener for me. Okay. And that's the way it works. There was a church, a local church, where I was tentatively asked to take over as pastor. And I prayed about it. And the Lord said, I'm going to let you go speak there, but you're not going to. I'm, and he revealed their heart to me. He said, their heart is so hard and it is so against truth that you're only going to speak words from the new covenant. So my whole message was based on the strength and the power of the word about it being a light, about being a sword, yeah. about there's no room for sin. If you read through what's it, first Corinthians and it talks about those that will not inherit the kingdom. Because I, I knew the leadership was in what they had of leadership. They were in adulterous relationships. They were not married. They were living together, fornication relationships. You know, there was a lot of stuff going on there. So every scripture I used was from the New Testament. I got, they got up and walked out, half of them walked out halfway through the message. Obviously, I didn't become pastor of the church. And then people called me up later, and they, some of the guys, younger guys there asked me if I would help mentor them on the side. And I said, yeah, okay. And they, but man, I got to tell you, they warned me to stay away from you. And I was like, why? And they said, well, you're going to Judaize me because you're an old covenant preacher. They said, you only preach old covenant. I said, yeah, but did you listen to the message I gave? There was not one scripture yeah. from the old covenant. And he said, well, what does Judaize mean? I don't even know what that means, bro. I said, well, did I tell you to stop celebrating Christmas? He's like, no. I, did I tell you to stop eating pork? He's like, no. I said, did I tell you you can't go to church on Sunday? He goes, what are you going on about, bro? I said, did I tell you you have to celebrate the feasts of Israel? He goes, I don't even understand. I said, go back and tell him I'm not Judaizing you. <laughs> so here's the thing. You've got, uh, as far as the Jewish believers go, you've got those that, that are right into the traditional, I suppose you, know, you do have Torah-observant Messianic believers. Yeah. Yeah. And you have those that are the exact opposite. Yeah. But what really amazes me is that we have that amongst Gentiles as well. Mm. That, that you have Torah observant Gentile believers. Where, and we know that being Torah observant is impossible. You break one law, you've broken them all. Mm. You, know, you know, how do you feel when, when we, the, the Goyim, attempt to become Jewish by being Torah observant? Well, that's a, that's a tricky, that's a tricky one. You know, it does say about John the Baptist's parents that they were found righteous in the law. Yeah. You know, so is it possible to, I don't know about keeping all the law, but be found righteous within the law? It does say that. I've always thought of that as being, um, because I mean, we know it's impossible, all of sin and fall short of Absolutely. the glory of God, except for Jesus. So to, to me, I look at verses like that and I go, it's, it's the, it's more the attitude of wanting to be and doing your best to be in that respect. So there's certain things. I, some of their arguments is there's one God, there's one law, and there's one law for everybody. Yep. And I can agree with that. Um, but there's certain things that you're not necessarily called to be or to do. You take on other people's identity and other people's cultures. Like my calling is to the indigenous peoples. Like, if anybody knows the Jewish dance, the Hora. I don't like the Hora. I try not to do it. Yep. Well, I don't have to do it in New Zealand, so I'm pretty blessed. <laughs> but even back in Israel at weddings, I'd kind of disappear and go to the wall. It's just not my thing. Yeah. 
for the haka. I was like, I was keen to learn the haka. You know, it, it excited me. The Native American style of dancing is more, it fits my personality. I don't do it because I can't do it yeah. well. And I don't want to be seen making fun of somebody's culture. But my, my spirit, my soul is more attracted to it. But that's not who I'm supposed to be. Yeah. If they invite me to be part of it, I accept the invitation, but I don't take on the aspects of their culture. Yeah. There's certain things for Israel. I don't think the Gentiles, like I believe in wearing tzitzit, um, tassels, is the, yeah. there's no other word in English for it, um, for Jews, which I do wear quite often. I do believe that. The kippah is a, a cultural thing. It's not a biblical, sadly people think it's a biblical thing. Yeah. It's not, it's a cultural thing. And I, some of, I have had some friends who are, lived Orthodox lifestyles, but they did that in order to reach other Orthodox. And there was, that was the leading of That's the Lord the, by that uh, way. As Paul says to the Romans, I'm a Roman, to the Greeks, I'm a Greek, to the it's, Jews, I'm exactly. a Jew. Exactly. But don't become a sinner, like a sinner, to reach the sinners to bring them yeah. to the gospel. Yeah. That's where we, we, we draw the line. Um, I don't like when Gentiles act more Jewish than, than I do, yeah. you know. But then again, I get accused of by so-called messianics that you're not Jewish enough. You know, my whole life, it was funny. It's because I don't look Jewish. If you see my father, I looks very Jewish. My little brother looks very Jewish. I'm an undercover Jew. Yeah. You know, for whatever reason, I don't look it. But so amongst my own people in America, they used to say, you don't look Jewish. You don't look Jewish. Yeah. You don't look Jewish. And I used to say, what about the Ethiopians? They look Jewish, you know, because, yep. you know, according to what a Jew thinks. And then all of a sudden I get saved and I wasn't a good enough Jew because I wasn't a doctor. I wasn't a lawyer. I didn't look like what they expected. Yep. So I was pushed away there. And then I come here and I don't act Gentile enough, you know, and, yep. and then I'm told by the Messianics, you don't act Jewish enough because I got attacked by a group when I first came here that said, don't listen to anything that Shimshon has to say because he goes to church on Sunday and he's not really a Messianic Jew. And I went back to him and I said, and they found out I had eaten pork. Now, when I got saved, the Lord said, eat the way your people eat. So I don't eat, I eat kosher. I eat biblically kosher. Yes. God chose to send me to a people that eats anything that crawls and comes out of the sea, you know, and that's unclean according to the Bible. And I was like, well, how do I do this? And he said, receive all things as a blessing. So when I go to certain functions, if there's a buffet and there's nothing that, that's clean according biblically to eat, I eat bread or I eat coleslaw. And if they ask me why I'm not eating, I just go, I don't say a word, I rub my stomach and I let them interpret it because I'm, I'm not going to um, cast off their blessing. If that's put on my plate, I eat it. I draw the line at blood. Thank God in New Zealand, they don't serve blood, yep. but there are cultures that do. Um, and I eat it all and I feel fine with that. But I went back to them and I said, who are you to say that I'm not a Messianic Jew because I go to church on Sunday? How are the Sunday people ever going to know that Saturday is the true Sabbath if no one ever goes to be with them to, yeah. to, to talk with them? And, you know, well, we just did a, a podcast with uh, Steve Schmidt, who is a, a, an American Jewish actor. Uh, in fact, he played, he's got a new movie coming out, which is the, the, the Twelve Righteous, which is a Western oh, where, wow. where he tries to get this gang of vigilantes saved. Oh, wow. Um, but he was also in the, uh, in the Chosen as one of the Pharisees in there. Oh, really? He, he, he oversaw a Messianic fellowship on a Saturday morning and pastored a Christian church on a Sunday Love morning. It. At, at the same time. Love it. At the same time. Um, I think what, to, to me with the, I said to somebody the other day, I said, if I said to you, um, uh, David, David placed the feather on the ground and without taking his eyes off the visitors, he backed, yeah, he, he walked backwards, flicking his feet with his tongue extended. The weirdo. Right. And you go, what? But if you're a New Zealander, you know what that means. However, most of us don't know why. Right, so we're used to seeing a, 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 a Maori man walk up, place the, the feather, walk backwards, tongue extended, flicking his feet. Right, we see it, we know, we go, oh yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a Maori thing. 
but we have no idea why. And to me, the, the things with the, a lot of the, the, call it biblical, Old Testament, cultural things that we see, I want to learn, I want to learn the why. Not, not for me to, to go, oh, I need to do that. But I'm, I'm going, if God put that in the Word of God, if God put that in the Bible, in the Tanakh, there must be a reason for it. And the, it must be there, all Scripture is there for us to learn from. Absolutely. So I want to learn why. Absolutely. But most people don't. That part of the book is, you know, I, I like to have a go when I preach. You know, I'll start here and say, start in the, what you call the Old Covenant, which we never would call. No, no. You know, because it's just, in English, we just refer to it as the Hebrew Scriptures because they're still alive. They still stand to this day. Um, but I go, here's a, here's a Gentile reading the Bible. Okay, okay, Deuteronomy 28. Oh, blessing, 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 blessing. Oh, no, no, curse, curse, curse. No, 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 no. Okay, blessing, blessing, blessing. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Oh, we get to Mike out. Yes, bring the tithes into the storehouse. Okay, blessing, blessing. Now let's get to the New Testament. Other than that, it's all bad. But most of the book is unfulfilled prophecies yet. It's unfulfilled prophecies. And without that, we cannot tell the times and the seasons that we're heading into. Yeah. Yeah. We need it. I had somebody asked me yesterday, sent a video through on uh, Messenger, and they said, can you ever look at this? It's an Australian woman saying, uh, you know, weeping, uh, very emotional, saying God is, God is calling that now is the time for the church to arise, now is the time of revival. And I'm going, you know, as I read the Bible, if this is the end times and this is the Laodicean church, there's not going to be a revival. So as emotional, as powerful as, as that seems, uh, I can't see that being the case and a lot of times it's because people have not taken both halves of the bible if you will and put them together uh, you know the, the tribe men of the tribe of Issachar they knew the times and I think if you know the times it, it makes it easier to minister into those times if you think everything's going to be sweet and people are just going to come to the Lord like that your your, your witness your ministering is going to be so so different well my my hope and my prayers are for always for revival because every I needed a personal revival. Everybody needs a personal revival. Whether there's a revival coming or not, I'm still going to pray for one to come. But who who makes the best um, watches in the world? Swiss. Okay. I was going to say Casio, but you know. <laughs> I am a Casio guy. I do like Casio. And so I became an Apple guy, but I do like yeah. Casio. The Swiss. Um, yeah. The Swiss, right? Well, Israel and the Jews are God's Swiss clock. Everything revolves around Israel. The future, the past, the present, and the future. Now, obviously, God has a heart for the nations. He's got a plan for the nations. But the plan for the nations involves their involvement for the return of Israel. And they want to skip the clock. It's like they want to wind the clock. Israel doesn't matter. Yeah. And they're not reading the Bible right. They're not understanding it right. Because without the return of the Jews, if there's anything, if there's any one great revival left, if there's one, it's the Jewish people. Because without that, Yeshua is never returning. I think we, at times we don't understand the the full concept of the holiness of God, the tribe of Levi, because, and if I've got this right, because when uh, Moses came back down the mountain and Aaron made the golden calf and um, Moses said, who is for the Lord? And the tribe of Levi said, yeah, us. And for that, they got the privilege of being the deacons. Which is what I'm, I'm a, I'm yeah. a Sadok, Sadok, descendant of yeah. Zadok. So, so the, the privilege of putting up and pulling down the tabernacle and doing the, they, they weren't allowed to be, unless they were of the Aaronic line, they weren't allowed to do the sacrifices. They weren't allowed to light the, the, the menorah or, or anything like that. They were allowed to carry the tent, the privilege of mm -hmm. carrying the tent. Which is a you know, pretty high um, privilege. When, when Nehemiah is, is rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem and these other people say, well, can we come and help? And he goes, no, you're not Jewish. Mm. You know, you, you, you do not have the right mm. to, and we just don't understand that. And God says, I'm going to give, give you the privilege. The disciples, Peter and John, when they were beaten by the Sanhedrin, 
What was their words when they left? Or what does the Bible say? And I think it's Acts chapter five when they left. They rejoiced that they had been counted worthy enough to suffer for the name of Jesus. You know, I remember getting a death threat once when I was on, uh, on Radio Rima. And ironically, it was in Caddy Caddy where I now live. But this is many, many years ago. Um, and the guy had rung up, said what he was going to do to me with a carving knife because of what I was talking about with Jesus and everything. The police followed it through and it was, it was a legitimate death threat. And I remember driving home and thinking, wow, that's, gosh, God, you, you consider what I do important enough for me to have a death threat? That's, I feel quite privileged. You know, it, we, we just don't understand that holiness of God. This is the, the way I see it. You know, obviously we all have a piece of the puzzle. I have to lump New Zealand in with Australia because of the Anzac thing. See, I believe, you know, look, Kiwi's not gonna like this. <laughs> you love to bash on Americans and they're bless the flag and everything yeah. about America, blah, blah, blah. But you Kiwis have the same spirit of pride over your national anthem. Same spirit. Now, I don't worship, I, I have an American accent, I'm stuck with it, but I don't consider myself American. I was born in America. I'm a Jew from America. I don't bleed red, white, and blue. I bleed red, you know, I'm covered by red. Um, I have allegiance to God, not to any government, not to any other kingdom, but the kingdom of Yeshua. I will honor it whatever land I live in. I love America because I was born there. I love Israel because it's the home of my, my fathers. And I love New Zealand because God has made it home for me and sent me here. Yeah. But at the same, it's the same level of pride. We're a Christian nation because we have this prayer. Well, I don't see this as a Christian nation whatsoever. I see it. I've been called the murderer of women and babies in the supermarkets here. I've been kicked out of every church. Well, not every church, but been bashed around. And the churches love to say they love Israel but really they love the flag and the shofar. Shimshon, we love Israel, we love Israel. Look at our flag, look at our shofar. But you don't care about the living stones. You care very little about the living stones. So going back is that God called Australia and New Zealand, and we have to lump them together, okay? In the sense with the Anzac, the connection. October 31st, 1917 is when you and Australia became blessed nations because he used you to defeat basically make the breach in the wall yep. to the Jews returning home to the land after 2,000 years. The Battle of Beersheba, the White Horse Brigade, October 31st, my birthday, 1917. God chose the end of the earth. See, it says in Isaiah 62, 11, the Lord spoke to the end of the earth. Now your English Bibles are gonna say ends. It doesn't say ends, it says end, singular. Okay. The Lord spoke to the end of the earth, say to the daughter of Zion, you're Yeshua, your salvation has come. So every nation has a, just like every person has a call. Every nation has a call. But God has chosen New Zealand, and I'll lump it in with Australia, to fight for Israel. Now, uh, people love that the gospel went to the end of the earth, and now it's going to go from the end of the earth back to back Jerusalem. To and I've said that, and I believe that. But God has chosen this nation and you're not praying for Israel. You're not standing for Israel. The government is very anti-Israel and I don't really care about so much about the government stance. I care more about the church because yeah, I yeah. believe God will judge the nation. Because what does he do at the end, right? When he separates all the nations, he separates the sheep and the goat nations. But what makes a goat nation? When the scripture says that Every nation is going to come against Jerusalem. Yeah. All, nations, all nations. That basically says you're all goat nations, right? Yeah. So it's got to be, the way I see it, is he's going to judge the church within each nation. And that's what will separate the goat and the sheep nations. Okay. And if the church doesn't understand God's protocol about Israel and their place. Now, Israel doesn't have to be the main focus of everything every day here. He's put us here, right? Yeah. He's put you here, he's put I here. So we're here to, right now my focus is Pukahina Hina, Gate Pa, yep. Toronto, Bay of Plenty, New Zealand, okay? It doesn't have to be all about Israel, but we have to put Israel in its place. And the gospel was to the Jew first. Jesus. So when I tell people that have prayer ministries and things, look, 
put Israel as the priority. If you're going to do a 24-hour prayer watch, pray the first 60 seconds for Israel. It doesn't have to be the first two hours. It doesn't have to be the first 20, 23 hours and 59 minutes. Pray the first 60 seconds. Put Israel in its thing. Now, I've been to China. You know, I've been to China three times. I get there, the people fall at my feet, and they cry at my feet, and they lay money at my feet. And they thank me for coming. And they bless me because I came as a Jew and for loving them. And what's happened there is the church, the underground church there, which I saw doesn't operate as underground as it, you know, as it used to. You know, yeah. I think it's moving back into that again. But um, they put Israel in the priority. They pray for Israel. They put their money to Israel, to Jewish ministries. And what's happened? 300 million believers and growing. You know? So this nation has to get prioritized. The church here, the body needs to wake up. It's a, it's a hard message to bring because I know that, uh, and I know from my experience uh, years ago in traveling around bringing a, call it a prophetic message of calling people into this right place and right attitude with God. Churches don't generally invite you back. No, no. It's funny, there was one church here that the pastor, oh, I won't mention the church or anything, and it's the first time, it was, I was a really terrible speaker because public speaking is not my thing. I like back row, yeah. you know? And, but God makes us do the things, he always calls us to the hard things, never really to the easy things. Public speaking was not what I planned on. Helping people was what I wanted to yep. do. And I had to, I became a public speaker and I'm more and more comfortable with it. I'm better at it. I can actually look at people, I can move, I can, I can remember my words sometimes. But there was a pastor there who said he loved Israel. He let me speak at this local church 10 times, right? He was there once. <laughs> he was never there once when I spoke. When other guest speakers from Israel came, he let them use the church, but he was never there. Okay. So did he really love Israel? I don't know, but he opened the door for me, right? Yeah. But he ended up moving on. Yeah. You know, he felt from the Lord to move to a different ministry. Um, and a pastor who was well-known for pro-Israel, he's known in the movement here, never once invited me, not once, not even for a cup of tea, you know? So I, I don't, you know, I don't get it, but I don't, I don't mince words. I didn't come here, you know, people forget that in Jeremiah, which Jeremiah is my guy, um, and it says, it's not my word like a fire and a hammer that shatters the rock, or I'm, I'm saying it backwards, but, but it's the word of truth. And, and a truth, even if you speak it with a feather, it hits hard. Yeah. And I don't come to, I love people, I care for people, you know, and when I speak to people, I hold them to what I hold myself to. And whenever I speak, I'm speaking to the man in the mirror. You know, if I'm calling them out, I'm calling myself out. I will not be a hypocrite. And I will be transparent in the ways, but I don't get invited back too often. No, except the prisons. Prisons love me. Prisons are cool. I love prison ministry. Um, was there a? We probably need to finish around about now. But was there a particular message that God was calling you to bring to the Maori people? Not that I know. But what He did say here was to come and to raise up a company of weeping warriors that would weep between the porch and the altar. The porch. The altar being God's throne, yep. the porch being a dead and dying world. And we need to step into that place between the two. And it's a picture of the Holy of Holies is the Lord, when he died on the cross, the veil ripped, right? Yep. So Jew, Gentile, male, female could enter in. That's another confusing scripture. If I can just quickly touch on yeah, that is people, well, there's no Jew, there's no Gentile, Israel's no This is no not what it's saying. But Obviously, if you continue reading, it says there's no longer male and female. And I don't know, I live in a house full of females. Yeah. I'm the only male in that house. So either the scripture's wrong and it's not. But what it is, it is a picture of Solomon's temple where Solomon's temple, it had the courtyard of the Gentiles. It had the courtyard of the woman. It had the court of the men and the court of the, the inner court where the priests could go. And then the Holy of Holies were only the high priests. So it's a picture of that temple where that veil was ripped. Now that the woman- Well, well it had that wall as well out the front of the temple yeah. where, where us Gentiles weren't even allowed to cross that but, wall. But there was a courtyard for the Gentiles. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, but the veil picture is that scripture is talking about now. It doesn't matter, Jew, Gentile, Everyone. male or female, we can enter into the throne yeah. room. The thing is, is we're not. 
We're standing outside the veil going, wow, it looks pretty cool inside there. But we don't want to live in that place between the porch and the altar and it's laying down our life. And not everybody's called to be an intercessor and I get that, but we have to live in that place. And, and he said to come here to raise up a company of people who will weep and mourn and, and, and intercede, lay down their lives in prayer because our weapons are not carnal anymore. We can't take up the old Maori instruments of warfare, you know, and I'm named after Samson. I would love to take the jawbone and there's a lot of people on the streets I'd love to smack on the head with a with the jawbone for sure. But we can't. We do it by prayer. We do it on our knees. And that was basically. And that hurts, though. That, that hurts. Especially, I mean, I, I know because you've. you've I was saying to somebody even yesterday afternoon, that, that great song, The Days of Elijah by Robin Mark, great song, but these are not the days of Elijah. These are the days of Jeremiah, where Jeremiah is calling out God's truth and all these other prophets are calling out lies. Think, I think some of them are thinking, just thinking fully that, that they're actually hearing from God. Mm. But when you read the scriptures, you go, what you're saying is, is, is you know, the, the jawbone, you know, it's, the, it's I'll take these uh, horns of iron and you will break the yoke of Babylon. And God's going, seriously, where did that come from? Yeah. Um, but Jeremiah called the weeping prophet because he knew that the people wouldn't listen, that the bulk of the people wouldn't listen. And God told him that right at the start of his ministry, but he still said, you still have to go. And I, I see that in you and I see your, your pain and your frustration in that God has called you to the Maori people of New Zealand, called you to speak to them. The bulk of them are gonna go, oh, you know, who's this Shimshon fella? And you know that, but hopefully the ones or the twos are going to go, I, I hear you, God, thank you for sending them. Whether you find that out or not. My heart's not just for my, my heart's for any human that comes across my path, you know. Um, he spoke specifically at the Maori, but it's all indigenous peoples, but I'm here in New Zealand and that's the main. But I didn't come to preach Israel. I came to preach Yeshua. Yeah. And you can't separate Yeshua from Israel. You can't separate the promises because every promise, he never made a covenant with the Gentiles. God never made a promise to the Gentiles. It's all to Israel and you're grafted into it, not replacing us. So I've come to preach Yeshua. There's but one way and there's but one name written in heaven that salvation is found. And that's Yeshua, not Israel, Yeshua. Thank you, brother. It's a pleasure. Who's paying for the coffee, you or me? I am. Excellent. All right. If you uh, enjoyed this podcast, make sure you click like and follow and all those sorts of things. We're going to put Shimshon's contact details uh, in with the uh, description. And if you'd like him to come and speak at your church, or at your marae, uh, please contact your him. Your garage, your shed, anywhere. Yeah. Cafe. I don't care. Yeah, you're paying. <laughs> God bless you. Shalom. <laughs>